to the preaching and teaching ministry of Apostle Michael Adeyemi Adefarase. The message you're about to listen to will empower you to exercise your kingdom authority and dominion in your place of influence and become a change agent for the kingdom of God. So stay tuned as Apostle Yemi Adefarase takes you a little bit deeper into the Word of God. Hallelujah. We were talking about God's ways last week. Yeah, let's read the scriptures. Psalm 25 verse 4 to 5 from the message version says, Show me how you work. School me. Educate me in your ways. <laughs> Take me by the hand. Lead me down the path of truth. You are my savior, aren't you? The Amplifier says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and faithfulness and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you, you only and all together do I wait expectantly all day long. He had to wait all day long for an answer. So last week we were talking about God's word, God's will, God's ways. And I said to you that the most accurate way of making sure you do everything in harmony with heaven is to follow the three W's of decision making. I spent all day putting it on PowerPoint for you to facilitate your understanding. So you're not just hearing, but another dimension of the sight is engaged. So the first thing is, God, what is God's word on the matter? When you're going to take a decision, what is God's word on the matter? What does the word of God say? When you have ascertained what the word of God says, number two, Larry, rather than taking pictures, I can just send you the slide. <laughs> what is his specific will? about it so once you know what God's word says on the matter you now find out what is his specific will about it as it relates to you and then when you know the specific will you now go to what does what is his way to fulfill it so there are three traffic lights and all of them must be green before you can proceed on on, on the way, on your way. So the normal way is to make sure you have a go on the number one traffic light, which is a traffic light of the word. If the traffic light is red, it means no. Don't go any further until you ascertain what God's word on the matter is. What his general will about that decision is, as is written in scripture. If it is green, then you go to the next traffic light of God's will. And you stay there until you come into the knowledge of God's will and the light becomes green. If the light is yellow, it means take caution. No definite yes or no. It means wait until you ascertain God's will, specific will as it relates to you. Finally, when the third light of God's way is green, you can proceed at the proper speed. 
because you now know the mind of Christ concerning it. You know the word of God concerning it. You know the mind of Christ, which is the will of him concerning it. You now have the timing of the Lord so you can finalize the decision and take immediate action. The third traffic light is especially important. Most Christians are diligent to act according to the word of God. They are even willing to seek his will on the matter. But what they are not always faithful to do is to wait until God's way is made clear. And that's where many Christians mess up. The word of God gives heaven's authorization. God's will specifies the course of action is yours to take, is for you. But you must still know the way to fulfill God's desire. You need to know his way. It is easy to, easier, easiest to find God's word on the matter. It is harder to discern his will on the issue. Specific will on the issue as it relates to you. But beyond all that, you must wait to know what God's way is to fulfill his desire. His desire, not your desire. The way of God includes A, his timing. B, the what. C, no, sorry, his timing. B, his methods. There is always a methodology. C, the necessary means to do it. Which entails the what, the who, the who, the what, the when, the where, the how, and the why. God normally does not tell us why. John, I think it's John 7, 17 or 17, 7 says, if you do, then you will know. Obedience always comes before understanding. You will never have understanding before you obey. That's why obedience is paramount. And in this season of 2017, because the sword of the Lord, which is his authority, is, has come into play in a way such as never before, obedience to authority is paramount. If you cannot be obedient to authority, you'll mess yourself up. Because the sword of the Lord is a symbol of his authority. Are you with me? And we are, and the sword of the Lord is a symbol of God's judgment and is also an instrument of judgment and an instrument of war. When God wanted to bring judgment on a nation, there were four instruments that God would use. The sword, famine or drought, pestilence, and plague. Those are the four instruments of God's judgment you'll always find in the Bible when he's dealing with nations. D, the continued guidance and control by, of circumstances by God. Let's take it again. His way includes, number one, timing. If you mess up the timing, you mess up everything. So if you don't understand how to keep to time and how to honor time, then you cannot keep the timing of God. 
Number two, B, his methods. What is the way that God wants to employ to achieve this thing? Wants me to employ to achieve this thing. C, the necessary means to do it. D, the guidance and control by what? Circumstances. God will always use circumstances. When it was time for Moses' mother to fulfill God's specific will for Moses, at the right time, she takes Moses and puts him in a basket and puts him in the river. The timing had to be so accurate because every river has velocity. Yes? So she had to put the river. So God had already calculated the velocity or the speed of the water flowing in the river. And he had all calculated that if she put the baby in at 7 o'clock in the morning and Pharaoh's palace was 20 miles down river and Pharaoh's daughter was going to take a decision to come out to worship at 9 a.m. Then God knew the river was flowing at 10 miles an hour. Yes, so it would take two hours to travel the 20 miles for the basket to be exactly in front of Pharaoh's palace at the time Pharaoh's daughter would come out. You see how timing is very important. Your car operates with timing. It has something called a timing chain. If the timing chain and the valve setting is not correct, your car will misfire. And it would, the engine would not run efficiently or smoothly. Are you with me? Timing is critical in this season. And one of the ways we need to discipline ourselves with timing is observe the times of the Lord. Especially the, the gates of the watch of the day that God has called you to pray into. E, patience is critical. Your patience is needed to press on until God's plan is accomplished. So all those are factors of understanding God's way. Are you with me? So to possess God's way, you need above all patience. So the Bible says, Hebrews 6.12, In order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards, but imitators behaving as do those who through faith by their leaning on the entire personality of God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness and by practice of patient enduring and waiting and now inheriting the promises. So number one, to come into the fulfillment of your prophecy and the promise that God has given you. Number one, you should never become disinterested. In other words, you need to keep the prophecy between your eyes and in your heart all the time, meditating thereupon. Number two, you, need to, you cannot be lazy about your prophecy. Paul said, go to war with the prophecy that was spoken over you to Timothy. But you have to be an imitator of all those who faith. So you, you have to know the hall of fame or the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. You have to study all those people and how they inherited the promise. Abraham was looking for a city that he never even got into, never even found. But by faith, 
He saw it, but physically, he never got there until he died and went to heaven. Imitators of as do those who through faith, by and how do you, what is the ingredient of your faith? Leaning on the entire what? Personality of God. Elohim. You need to know the Father. Because if you know that the Father's attributes are love, if you know that the Father's attributes are, 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 are faithfulness, if you know that the Father's attributes are that His word is exalted above His name, faithful is He who has promised, faithful is He who will do it. Once you know the Father's attributes, then you will never, never ever be tempted to blame God for the lack of the fulfillment of the prophecy. And you'll never get angry with God. The person that you'd have to get angry with is yourself. You missed it somewhere. Then you have to know the personality of Christ. Then you have to know the personality of the Holy Spirit, the attributes of the Godhead. Because once you understand who they are and how they function, then you will understand that it's never them at fault. The Holy Spirit is always prodding, prodding you, prompting you to will and to do of God's good purpose. Are you with me? And when you know the Holy Spirit so well, you will know when it's the Holy Spirit that is talking or when it's your mind that is talking or when it's the devil that is speaking. Because many people say the Holy Spirit said and it's not the Holy Spirit. It's their mind or it is God or it's the devil. That's why you will always hear me say, I believe this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. So you always leave a margin of error. I believe the Lord is laying upon my heart this prophecy. Amen? Because man is, man is fallible. Only God is infallible. The devil doesn't want mine. Okay. Are you with me? Can I go on? So most Christians, therefore, are unaware of this third traffic light in their walk with God. Many endeavors fail because they are not attempting God's way in accomplishing his will. Touch your neighbor and say, you must follow God's way to accomplish his will, not your way. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The message says you end up in hell, in utter ruin and in hell. There's another version that says uh, the, the, the ways thereof are... Uh, the, the, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is what? Ruin. Many of us come to ruin because we're all attempting to do things that we believe God has spoken, but we're doing them our own way instead of God's way. That's where most of our problems, then we get, we get offended. God is not in that church. That prophet is a liar. He said this and that, and it didn't come to pass. This happened, that happened, and then many of us give up. Oh, I couldn't have heard from God. That man of God, the thing that he said is not correct. And we end up blaming everybody except ourselves. This is where most Christians fail. Isaiah 55 verse 9 says, As the, high, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God's ways are are always much higher than our ways, that most of the time 
What we do because of our secular programming, because of our secular education, is we try to rationalize God's way and reduce it to human logic and rationale. And then our minds are programmed to think the way of the secular because we spent our whole lives in secular education that may not have, uh, uh, whose foundations may not be completely in God because secular means without God. Are you with me? And that becomes a huge problem. So to know God's ways is a whole totally different ballgame. So what was God's way for Abraham? Does somebody want to read Genesis 12 and Genesis chapter 13? I need a fast reader. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. A blessing. And you shall be a, a blessing. blessing. So number one, if you're the seed of Abraham, your existence is to be a blessing to everything around you. Not to be blessed, but to be a blessing. And when was the first time God spoke to Abraham? Genesis chapter 12? Nope. Acts chapter 7. The first time God spoke to Abraham was in the book of Acts Chapter 7, Stephen records it. Yes? Continue. And I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth shall all be All the blessed. families. Who are we supposed to be blessing? And where is the blessing? In the family. Yeah. That's why the family is the most important uh, subset of society. Wherever God wants to do anything, he starts, he wants to start in the family. That's why if we don't learn to become a family, we can never be a house. And if we don't be a house, we can never be a government. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from 75 Haran. 75 years old. When he departed from where? Haran. Haran. Then Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. And the people he ha had what? Acquired. Acquired in Haran. So what yes. does that mean? Abraham was an extraordinary evangelist. When Christ is burning in your soul, you can't keep quiet. You can't keep him to yourself. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem. As far he passed as the through the land to where? Shechem. After Haran, and we know that he was sojourned in Haran for 14 years yes. until delay was taken out of his life. Because the Bible says in Acts chapter 7, Terah took him to Haran. When he was, God was telling him to leave, he allowed his father to take him to the wrong place. Mm -hmm. So he was stuck in Haran for 14 years, according to Acts chapter 7, when you look at the timelines. And then after Terah, his father died. He now leaves Haran. So from Ur, he went to Haran. And from Haran, He's uh, walking through the land to where? He's now gotten Shechem. to Shechem. What is Shechem? 
Shechem is the place of the shoulder, the place of where you can now walk and where you inherit and take responsibility. Remember, he has to take responsibility for all the souls he has acquired. He has to take responsibility for Sarai. He has to take responsibility for Lot. He has to take responsibility for all their destinies. Shechem. God cannot really take you far until you come to learn uh, how to handle the responsibilities that he has put upon your shoulders. For the government shall be upon your shoulders. Continue. As far as the terebinth tree of Moir, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared ah. to him. So he had built an altar, and then the Lord speaks to him. So every new step, every, you see, what did God say? I will show you. He didn't say exactly where he was taking him. He started to show him on the way. Because revelation is progressive. God will never tell you everything at, at once. As you obey one step, he will give you the revelation for the next step. But each step... Once you've complied with what he said, you now have to build an altar and call upon him to get the next set of revelation or instructions for where you're going. Continue. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he ah, pitched... So from Shechem, what did God say at Shechem? The Lord appeared to him and said that he would give the land to his descendants. I will give this land to your descendants. So God is confirming what he's spoken in Revelation 12, but adding more detail. Because he's now saying, this is the land. And he pitched his tent with Bethel. So at Shechem, he now gets to a place between Bethel and Ai, and he builds another altar there, and calls on the name of the Lord. Continue. He pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So and he called on the name of the Lord. And then what? So Abraham journeyed going on still toward the south. Continue. Now there was a famine in the land. And Abraham so went God, down. So no, God has said going to the land. What version is that? No, I think you missed something there. He said going to the land and walk the length and the breadth of the land. And we continue. He built an altar to the Lord and called on the name you of the Lord. You have to know how to build altars. And the first altar is your life apart from the altar of the Lord, and then the second altar is your family altar. Continue. So Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass, when he was close to entering Egypt, that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you have a woman of beautiful countenance. So Abram is about to backslide. Because he fell from faith. Do, you, do we all agree he fell from faith? Yes. He started seeing the famine in the land. So he was not walking by faith. He was not walking by sight. And now the Bible, whenever you hear the Bible, it's, uh, and Egypt, Egypt is the type of the world. He went down to Egypt, which means he's backsliding. Yes? Continue. Therefore, it, hap it will happen when the Egyptians see you, that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me. But they will let you So live. now he's operating in fear. He's, away, he's afraid of death. Now because fear has entered, because he's not in the God's way and not performing God's will. Please. Fear has entered. Now he's telling his wife to tell a lie. Okay. 
please say you are my sister, uh-huh. that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of so you. So the man has backslidden, he's telling lies. Was, was the woman his sister? Yes. Yes. The woman was his sister. So was it a lie? Yes, it was a lie. Because the highest truth, the situational ethics, the highest truth is that she's the wife. But yes, the highest truth. You always go for the highest truth. Yes, that's the highest truth. So situationally, he's, he, he has progressed beyond sister to wife. And the reason why he's telling Pharaoh's sister is so that Pharaoh would think that she's open, she's open game. So that they won't kill him. To take her from him as because they know that this is the man's the woman's husband. So half truth is a lie. Half truth, and when you withhold truth, you're lying. Hello? When you withhold truth, you're lying. (laughs) Yes. Yes. When you withhold truth. Because what, is, what, what does the truth do? Sets you free. It sets the per- other person free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall do what? Set you free. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> so, Father, we all repent from being liars. In Jesus' name. I'm Amen. doing it for Jide. <laughs> so it was when Abraham came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen. So was that God blessing uh, Abraham or Pharaoh? He he was blessing Abraham because of what? The wife. (laughs) Giving him material things to pacify him. So, was that wealth legitimate or not? <laughs> was it legitimate or not? Was it? What? It was based on lies. So, was that, was that legitimate uh, prosper, uh, material wealth? Yeah? God's hand was not there. So, was that God? No. <laughs> Pharaoh is a type of who? Pharaoh is a type of, uh, is a, a representative of Satan. We know that because he wore the crown and the cobra on his crown. And we know that from all scripture. <laughs> so was it God? These are issues that we have to come to terms with in this day. But let me go on because I, uh, I only have 20 minutes. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abraham well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said... So touch your number and say, be careful whose wife you're looking at. (laughs) Be careful whose wife you're looking at. Because God can plague you because of how you deal with another man of God's wife. And Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this you have done to me? 
Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So Abraham faced an embarrassing situation. He brought reproach to the Lord. Pharaoh kicked him out, exiled him. Continue. Okay, chapter 13. Please pass the microphone to... So there's certain things that happen to us because we may have missed God's way. Yes? There's certain things that may happen to us because we've missed God's way, which brings reproach. And out of that reproach, God creates circumstances in this situation to exile Abraham. So I, that's why I keep on saying, when whatever is going on in your life, ask God, what is the purpose behind this problem? What are you teaching me in this situation? And what are you trying to change in me through this situation? Continue to read. Chapter 13. Then, oh, then Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev. Uh -huh. So before he went down to Egypt. Now he's going what? He's going up. He's now coming back to the Lord. So we know once the Bible says he's, he went up from Egypt, he's now looking for God again because he realizes he's missed God in the way. He, his wife, and all he had, and lots with him. Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. He went by stages from the Negev to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and I, where his tent had formerly been. Uh, where did he go? Bethel and I. Where? What was there? The altar. An altar which was the last place he heard from God. So when you miss your road, the place is to go back to the last thing and the last place you heard from God and ascertain that you got the instructions correct. So he goes back to where he missed it. So he retraced, touch your neighbor and say, retrace your steps. Back to where the point where you missed it. And it's simple. When you're driving a car, you're driving your bike or you're going somewhere and you miss road. What do you, you go back to the place where you knew. Isn't it? Yes. Verse 4. To the site where he had built the altar. And Abraham worshipped the Lord there. Now Lot, who was traveling with Abraham, also had flocks, herds, and tents. But so, and Abraham did what? Worshipped the Lord where? There. Because when you can get the worship right and you get back in tune with the Lord, then God can start to speak. Without worship, God cannot speak. That's why the most, one of the, the issues here uh, uh, with the choir is if the choir is not right with God and if their worship is not right with God and if there's strange incense in the worship, then you're hindering the presence of God and God will not speak until we get the worship protocol right. Continue. Verse 5. Now Lord, who was traveling with Abraham, also had flocks, herds, and tents. But the land was unable to support them as long as they stayed together, for they had so many possessions that they could not stay together. 
and there was quarreling between the earthsmen of Abraham's livestock and the earthsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were living in the land. Okay, let's hold it there. Let me just continue with this, then we'll go back there. Okay, so God said to Abraham, God's way for Abraham, leave Ur of the Chaldees. Abraham was never supposed to go to Haran, but he allowed somebody else, somebody who was very dear to him. So emotional ties, emotional ties took Abraham out of his way. One of the things that God has said is that this 2017, there's some relationships that you're going to have to divorce yourself from if you're going to go God's way. And you cannot let emotional ties cause you to follow people that will take you on a detour from the path that God has ordained for you. Everybody's path is different. I'm not called to do church. So I must move away from that. I've deviated because we have a church mindset. So everything's going to change. And if you can't change, then you're going to have to ship out. But I'm not going to, because of you, mess what God has set up for me or for this ministry. I can't. I'm a steward. Okay? So what was the next one? God had told him, God's way for him was to become the father of a great race of people for the Lord. I put for the Lord there because all those people, who, who were, whose people were they? For the Lord. So we should never think that we own people. I am exercising stewardship over you on behalf of God. So in kingdom, they're not my flock. They're God's flock, but in my custody. Of which I have to give account for every soul. God's way for Abraham was now, was what? To now he's made it clear to possess Canaan as their homeland. So in Genesis chapter 13, please go ahead and read. He says, tells Abraham, gives Abraham more detailed instruction from the first prophecy. More details. Every time he goes along. So every time God will add more detail to the prophecy or, or that he has spoken to you about, about what he wants you to do. That's why you must write. Write the vision. And if you have forgotten the main prophecy, then you're sunk. If Abraham has forgotten Genesis 12, <laughs> then what's he going to do? Because everything else that God is going to say is what? Predicated on what God said in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 6. That's why some of you need to go into uh, deep prayer. What was it that God said to you when you were much younger, when you were 17 years old, like he spoke to Jacob? To Joseph, the sun and the moon will bow down to you. Joseph never forgot those words because every other prophecy, there was every other revelation that was going to come to Joseph was predicated on that first prophecy, that first dream that Joseph ever had. And some of you have forgotten the dreams that you dreamed when you were younger. Continue. Verse 8, then Abraham said to Lord, please let's not have quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and my herdsmen since we are relatives. Isn't the old land before you? Separate from me. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lord looked out and saw that the entire Jordan Valley, as far as Zor, 
was well watered everywhere like the Lord's garden and the land of Egypt. This was before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lord chose the entire Jordan Valley for himself. Then Lord joined eastward and they separated from each other. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, but Lord lived in the cities of the valley and set up his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were evil, sinning greatly against the Lord. After Lord had separated from him, the Lord said to Abraham. After Lord. So there are certain things you need to separate from because God will not speak. <laughs> yes. After Lord had separated from him, then the Lord said. Look from the place where you are. Look north and south, east and west. For I will give you and your offspring forever all the land that you see. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So that if one could count the dust of the earth, then your offspring could be counted. Get up and walk from one end of the land to the other. Now God is giving very clear, explicit instruction. Get up. Don't be lazy about it. Walk the length and the breadth of the land. Continue. For I will give it to you. I so, will give it to you. So Abraham moved his tent, went to live beside the oaks of Mamre at okay. Hebron. Then in another place further down, he says, wheresoever the sole of your feet will tread. So he's adding instructions. So what is Abraham's job? To secure the land for his generations. Okay, I think we better That's stop there. Where he built an altar to the Lord. And there he did what? An altar to he the Lord. He built an altar. Between Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they built seven altars to secure that land. That's why nobody can take it from them. And it's going to the ones that they've encroached upon, they're going to, it's going to revert back to them. Seven altars. If we don't start raising altars on the land of Nigeria, we'll never be able to secure it. Because the enemy is doing a, a better job than the Christians are. Everywhere there's bloodshed, they're raising their altars. And this is the book of genes. There's no way we cannot deal with dealing with altars in the land. So the sooner we start walking the length and the breadth of the land, the better for all of us. So this word was spoken as God's specific will through divine revelation. You see, God has been unfolding revelation progressively since Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 to Abraham. Because revelation is progressive. And he confirmed all these, these things through personal prophecies to his life and then through signs. The way for Abraham to fulfill God's desire was to look and walk the length and the breadth of the promised land. Genesis 13, 17. It was going to be a lifetime process. This whole thing was going to take Abraham's whole lifetime. Touch your neighbor and say, you don't have any time because you've wasted so much of the time already. Remember, Abraham started when he was 75 years old. He had wasted uh, 75 years worshipping some gods in the era of the Chaldees. It's not Chaldees, it's Chaldees. God's way for Joshua to possess the land 400 years later was different. God's way for Abraham is walk the length and the breadth of the land. God's way for Joshua was totally different than Abraham's way. So you can't say this is how our fathers did it, so this is how we're going to do it. You cannot do what your fathers have done. The times have changed. So if you're still trying to hold on to the teachings of your fathers, rather than walk, you're supposed to have more revelation than your fathers had. You're supposed to have more revelation than uh, 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 Richard Jaffa. Because you have a different generation. You're supposed to be sitting on his shoulders to see further. We are supposed to be teaching them because to us, we have much more revelation than they had in their time. They did things according to Pentecost, 
Pentecostal uh, uh, movement. We pass Pentecostal movement from to charismatic movement to a prophetic movement to apostolic movement. So if you're trying to build the way your fathers did, you've missed God. <laughs> yes, we cannot abandon some of the tenets and the principles. And we cannot write them off. But we need to inherit the legacy. But we need to know how God is interpreting that legacy. Because there's more revelation available than when they had. And all we're trying to do is do church the way we've been taught and for walk with God the way we were learned in Bible school. So God has to break some of the cemetery experience that you had in seminary. Now I'm telling you. Because if you don't shift your mindset in this season, you become irrelevant to God. Our prayer is that David's prayer was, let me not be a proverb nor a byword. That should be our prayer. And the hard thing about it for us is we don't have any models. So this time, we have no choice but to depend on God for the revelation of what to do. Because there are no models to, 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 to follow. So in particular, the, the particular place God had chosen as a possession was Canaan. That Abraham walked the length and the breadth of. But the place he designated uh, Israel to grow into a nation was Egypt. So many of us are trying to bypass Egypt to get to Canaan. Touch your neighbor and say, Kosheshe. <laughs> it can't work. So even though Abraham went into Canaan to secure Canaan, God wanted Israel to grow into a nation and the place God designated. So there are certain places where God has designated for you to grow. And if you miss the place, you will miss your destiny because you will not be equipped with all that Egypt needs to teach you. Because you're not in Egypt. You decided to go to, uh, like Lot, to Sodom. Are you with me? The place God designated. Where has God, that's why you, you don't, you're not in Clam because you feel like being in Clam. You're here for a purpose. God doesn't make accidents. We've, how many times do I have to mention Acts chapter 17 verse 26? From one blood he made every nation of men. And he predetermined and pre-appointed the exact times and places of their habitation. So the more you miss, the more you're missing the vital equipment that is necessary for you to be empowered for your destiny. And in Egypt, were they happy in Egypt? After a while, there arose a pharaoh who, knew no jo who did not know Joseph. The party is over. Now, I'm going to afflict you. Why was this pharaoh afflict them? Because in Egypt, they grew and multiplied. They grew and multiplied. God's way in Egypt was for them to grow and to multiply. And they multiplied. They became more numerous than the Egyptians. So the pharaoh said, these people are more numerous than us. They're more powerful than us because we have seen their God manifest. So let us deal with them very shrewdly and oppress them so they don't take a stage of coup d'etat. So they are now, they entered into the eras of affliction. And the reason why God called Moses was because of the, their prayers. Because God said to Moses, the prayers of your people have come up into my ears. Their prayers by reason of their what? Affliction. 
So some of you will never pray until you are afflicted. <laughs> so God will afflict you to bring you to the place of prayer. Because woe to them that are in Zion. If you are comfortable with life, comfortable because you have money, comfortable because you are comfortable, then you will never pray. So you need to understand that God is not trying to do things against you. He's trying to do things for you. By the things you go through. So that you can shape up, you can wise up, and you can align. The appointed time for the fulfillment of the prophecy was going to be four centuries or 400 years later. So when God is, gives you a prophecy, it's not going to happen all at once. It's going to be unfold in stages, and you need to discern the stages. Yes? Can I continue? Patience was critical for Abraham and his seed. This prophecy is going to take David 400 years. You're gonna, you and four generations are going to have enough patience to wait and wait and wait and wait. And you're not going to see the prophecy because it's going to be for your fourth generation. <laughs> Hello? But there's a part that you have to fulfill. And then you better teach your children your own part and what their own part is so they can teach their own children what their own part is in this whole thing. Because it's going to take four generations to fulfill. And some of you are struggling to fulfill everything in your own lifetime. And you know what? Unless God redeems a time, we've run out of time because we've wasted a lot of time in our lives. Patience was critical for Abraham and his seed. They had to wait until the sins of the Amorites had reached their what? Their fullness. So God is not doing it just because of you and because you're righteous. He's doing it because some people have messed up somewhere. And he's raising you up as a standby for those people to take the place of those people. So until the sins of the Amorites was full, God was not going to eject them from Canaan land. Once uh, since the cup of iniquity was going to be full, God will kick them out, and by that time, you're ready to possess. And how do you possess? You dispossess to possess. If you cannot dispossess, you cannot possess. Are you with me? So he had to wait till the sins of the Amorites had reached their fullness, and his descendants had multiplied to become like the stars of heaven. Remember, there was a prophecy. I will make your descendants like the stars in heaven and like the sand on the seashore. So Abraham had to wait for all that multiplication to take place, which took 400 years. God's word and will came quickly. So Abraham knew God's word. He, he had some understanding of God's will, which unfolded uh, uh, progressively. But it took 400 years for the way of God to unfold completely. So patience is critical. When God speaks... He speaks to nations in terms of centuries. When God speaks to families, he speaks to families in terms of generations. That's why we have something called generational blessing. And when he speaks to individuals, he speaks to individuals in terms of a whole lifetime. Everything that God said and called you for is going to take your whole life, of which we've wasted so much. And I've wasted 50-something years that I don't have time to waste anymore. So my prayer every day is, God, give me the, as the days are so shall my strength be, so I can fulfill everything you said I should fulfill. I am willing. For that purpose, I'm ready to lay my life down. Because I was dead and God brought me back to life and gave me life that I may do his work. 
God's way for Moses. The word of the Lord came to him to deliver three million chosen people out of Egyptian bondage and to take them to a land promised to who? Abraham. So Moses is fulfilling something that was spoken a long time to Abraham. So you're not an island on your own. There is something that was spoken to some generation before you of whom you are a descendant that you are supposed to carry on. So you know what? Moses' staff. Moses had a staff, remember? And what was Moses' staff? It was Abraham's staff that was handed generationally until it got into Moses' hands. <laughs> so it wasn't just an ordinary stick. That stick had anointing on it. Abraham had held that stick for 100 plus years. Handed it over to Jacob. Jacob handed it over to Joseph. <laughs> the word of the Lord came to him to deliver three million chosen people out of Egyptian bondage and to take them to the land that who? That God did not promise to Moses or promise to Abraham. So if you disconnect yourself from the prophecy of Abraham, you miss it. God's specific word was made known by the audible voice of God at the burning bush and confirmed by signs and wonders. We'll find all that in Exodus chapter 3. God's way for the Israelites was, uh, let me leave Israel, so let me just talk about Moses a little bit. So Moses was going to go and deliver these people after he had messed up the first time. God spoke to him at the burning bush 40 years later, 40 years after he messed up the first time. Remember? How did he mess up the first time? Sorry? Yes. He went and saw a he uh, an Egyptian fighting a Hebrew, and he got involved and end up killing, ended up killing the Egyptian. And the next day, he came out and the, his own people said, who made you rule and judge over us? Which means they rejected his ministry. They did not have a revelation that he was a deliverer that God was sending to them. He had the revelation. Yes? He knew it. Because the Bible tells us his parents knew that he was not an ordinary child. The reason why God put his mother as his servant, as his maid, as his nanny in Pharaoh's palace was to teach him the prophecies. And to train him up into his destiny. And to educate him of who he was and what he was called to do. That's why the Bible says he despised the riches of Egypt for the reproach that comes with fulfilling the Lord's work. To do the Lord's, to fulfill your calling is going to bring you into reproach of the world. It's going to. If you want to fulfill the calling, you're going to be reproached for Christ by the world. And the things you're going to have to separate from and lay down. All he had, he was a commander of the armies of Egypt. He was heir apparent to the throne. He had the best education. He had to lay it all down and count it as dung to apprehend the calling. You cannot enter. Um, that's why Paul said, make full proof of the calling of God upon your life. Because that calling is going to make you have to give up voluntarily a lot of things in your life that you've counted precious. Do you think, who wouldn't like to stay in the palace? 
You can't stay in Asherah and fulfill the calling of God upon your life. <laughs> because you like the comfort in Asherah. Moses went forth and they rejected his ministry. Who made you rule and judge over us? And the thing, who spread, the, the, who's gossiped about it? The, the, the Israelites. And that's how it was known to Pharaoh. So what did Moses have to do? He had to run. Remember what I said. Timing is critical, knowing God's way. So Moses has gone 10 years ahead before the proper time. I've taught you that before. So you understand the mathematics. Because Israel came out of Egypt in the 430th year. Yes? And Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness. Which means that he acted in the 390th year. So he went 10 years before the appointed time. And when you go before the time, you mess everything up. Not only do you mess up your own life, for which you have to go into the desert for another 40 years to be taught by Pastor Jethro. Your spiritual education. And then, now he causes a 30-year delay in Israel's destiny because God told Abraham they'll come out in the fourth generation in the 400th year. Now they're coming out 430 years because you went and did your ministry before God at the appointed time. And not only that, because you went before the appointed time, you did not have the tools. You did not have the right tools because you went prematurely. You were not fully equipped. And so instead of taking, waiting for the learning how to use the rod and the staff, you learned how to do Gidigbo power. And it's Gidigbo power that got into trouble because you killed somebody by the flesh with raw power. When God was going to put a stick in your hand, God's way was a stick. Moses, the flesh way was Gidigbo power. That got Moses into trouble and ended up delaying his destiny and delaying the destiny of Israel. So if you mess up and go before time, it's not just your destiny you're messing up. You're messing up the destiny of the people that are connected to you. That's why you've got to wait for the tools. 400 years requires a whole load of patience. More patience. Patience was, guidance was, now, his provision... God, how did God provide for the people? His method. Plagues. How many plagues? Ten. And eleven judgments on Egypt. Then the parting of the Red Sea. Then the miracles. And then manna in the desert. What does manna mean? What is it? It takes a father to explain what it is. So if without fathers and without teachers, you will never have the understanding and explanations of what these things are. Guidance in the desert. How was God, what was God's way? By a pillar of fire and a cloud by day. And the day the cloud shifted, they had to pack up everything. So those guys could never get comfortable in one place. <laughs> because they had to keep on moving. They had to demonstrate a lot of patience to Pharaoh gave the order for them to be released. Are you with me? More patience was needed to endure the wilderness. There are things. That's why Paul says, endure. What's it? What's it? Endure like a good soldier. Endure affliction like a good soldier. Hardship like a good soldier. The, way, the place where we all fall is patience. And the devil has capitalized 
on our lack of patience. That's why we run to churches to get decrees. I see you prospering. Shout hallelujah. I see you breaking through. Hallelujah. And even if you break through, which the devil will help you to break through, you may not have the character and the capacity to maintain and to exercise faithful stewardship over that breakthrough. So you see how the devil gets us? And see how the church of Nigeria has gone one way. Because all we want is to go into a church to have a microwave service with microwave prophecies and declarations that we can run out and get instantaneous miracles. And that's not, that's not God's way. Unless you have been fully prepared. That's not God's way. Do you see it happening here? No. They had to wait. So Pharaoh had gone through all the things that God had to take him through before he, he got the release. More patience, they even needed more patience in the wilderness. And at the end of the day, that generation lost their patience. Though that generation was the particular generation that God wanted to possess the promised land, they eventually lost patience and they ended up sinning because of their impatience. And then they ended up, after their sin, rebelling against God. Did they enter in? No. It was the next generation. The prophecy was postponed to the next generation. If you don't fulfill your own part of the prophecy, God suspends it and postpones it for the next generation. We know that in Nineveh, when Jonah went to prophesy, God postponed the judgment that was supposed to come on that generation because they repented to the next generation. You don't want your prophecy postponed to your children. Or to your next generation. Because you didn't play your part. Because when you get to heaven. And they open the record books. They say everything you did was. Equivalent to wood. Hay and stubble. Fire will burn it all up. Because you didn't do the works that God sent you to do. You went and did your own works. Which may have been good works. Which may have been philanthropic. Which may have been charitable. But they were not the ones that God said you should do. Joshua and the younger generation fulfilled the prophecy instead. In the desert, in the wilderness, the road to the promised land takes you through the wilderness. The hardship in the wilderness is God's testing to see what is in your heart. He said he led them by the way into the wilderness to know what was what and tested them to know what was in their heart. And they got into the wilderness, they messed up, so God extended the timetable to another 40 years. So they've lost how many years? 80 years of destiny. They had to follow the, the pillar of fire until God was ready for them to take Canaan. Another 40 years postponement. He wanted, why did God do that? You've got to understand the processes, his ways. If you don't understand, why did he do that? He wanted sufficient time to put in place everything necessary to fulfill whose purpose? His purpose. You're just an instrument fulfilling his purpose. You're just an instrument fulfilling his destiny. You're here to fulfill the destiny of God, not your own destiny. You are predestinated in Christ. We are all here to fulfill the destiny of God. He wanted time to put in place everything necessary to fulfill his purpose. What was the first thing he was going to build? What? A tabernacle. Why? So he could dwell in the midst of them so they could know him and learn his ways. 
Because you don't know his ways until you know him very well. What was the second thing? He now gives them a code of what? Laws. To preserve and maintain them in a right relationship. If you have to transform a nation, then you must have a code of laws that determine the ethos of the nation and the ethics of the people. Yes? A code of laws to preserve and maintain them in a right relationship with him and one another. So the first five commandments deal with your relationship with God and the second five deal with your relationship with man. That's why Jesus broke the Ten Commandments into two. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, your relationship with God, and then love your neighbor as yourself, your relationship with other people. Because that's the summation of the Ten Commandments. Then, out of the Ten Commandments, they had to develop a political system to transform them from a disorganized multitude. Remember, they were a mixed multitude. From a mixed multitude into 12 organized tribes. In his, and he placed them in order around his tabernacle. Remember? Which, which tribe had the eastern gate? Judah. Judah had the eastern gate. And who was before Judah? Uh, the priesthood. Were closest to the gate of the tabernacle. Then there was Judah. And all the tribes were positioned in order around the tabernacle. When the tabernacle was going to be moved, there was even a marching order. There was a marching order. There were protocols to everything, which is what I've been trying to teach you. You cannot just come into the house of God and do what you like, when you like, and how you like. When the trumpet blew, papa, papa, they knew the Levites would go and start, and all the Levites were divided into different groups. One group held, ha, carried the pulpit, another group carried the chairs, one group carried the sword, another group carried the, 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 the speakers. Nobody could carry what they were not assigned to. That's how the kind of order that there was, everything was specific. You cannot go and place, if you're supposed to carry the keyboard and you can't carry the speaker, you will die. That's how it was. So what does that tell us? We cannot come into today's house and just do anything you like, lounge how you like, come in late how you like, just slouch like Abraham is slouching over there. You can't. No, it's not a, it's not a laughing matter. Because until we get our orders and protocols correct, we are hindering one another's destinies. Miriam messed up. The Israel was stagnated for seven days because one woman messed up. So when one of us messes up, it affects all of us. Don't be deceived. There was order around the tabernacle. Nobody just got up and did anything anyhow. They will die. That's how it is in this day. We cannot. We have to be ordered. We have to be disciplined. We have to be organized. We have to be administrated. And if you can't come in under order, then you're not going to make it into the land. You die before your time. Because God is serious. Three swords are coming down. Three. So there's no time to joke around. We cannot do things anyhow any longer. That's why there must be discipline. That's why I must get tougher with everybody. And if you don't want to align, then I'm going to have to kick you out. That's how tough I need to get now. If you understand all these things, study the Old Testament. That's why we cannot even be coming late to service. 
If those guys moved the furniture, the cloud would have shifted. The hot sun of the desert would have burnt them. Ah, then they were not under covering because the cloud had already shifted. The training, the training period gave them exposure to their enemies to gain proper training for warfare. All the hardship in the desert, you know, once you get to the promised land, the Babanla giants you're going to face. So if you're not learning, if the wilderness trains you how to be a giant killer, the wilderness trains you for war. Because to possess the land, there's going to have to be war. Islam is not going to give up voluntarily. We're going to have to chase them out. Which requires a whole load of faith and a whole load of boldness and courage. Hello? <laughs> and please, we're not going to heaven before we've taken Nigeria for the Lord. If Nigeria has to be a sheep nation and not a goat nation. So you're being trained. Everything you're going through, the hardship of the wilderness, the hardship of life since you got here into this house is training you for your next level, training you for where God wants to take you, giving you, building your faith to, because there are giants outside there that you're going to have to face. So you're in training. So don't despise the training. Many people that came here, they did not understand why you're going, where we have to go through what we're going through. But if you look at your lives, many of you have grown in faith. Many of you have grown in endurance. Many of you have grown in tenacity. Many of you are just exercising patience. Some, it's not that some of you didn't want to go. It's just that God hasn't spoken to you to go and you don't have anywhere else to go. <laughs> Because you've done, you've done all the rounds. You've gone to all the bases. You went to base one, base two, base three. And now this is last stop. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm dead serious. In the wilderness, they learned how to kill tread upon serpents and scorpions. In the wilderness, they learned how to survive without water. And when they needed water, they had to call upon God. In the wilderness, they learned how to subdue their appetites. They could not take more manna than was necessary for a family. Everybody had their daily ration. If you chopped more than your daily ration, you were in trouble. If you tried to hoard, if you tried to hoard some of the manna, the next day when you come, it has rotted. <laughs> so touch your neighbor and say, God is delivering us from hoarding mentality. So all the money we've been trying to save, God has made us spend it all. Has he not? He gave them time to develop their faith to drive out giants. Don't despise the time because God is developing something powerful in you because you're going to face giants when you live here. So what am I saying? It's not about formulas. Today's church, we're teaching three steps to deliverance, 10 steps to possess, 12 steps to become rich. Very quickly. Huh? Ten steps before. Ten steps before. Yes. So we've developed all these formulas that end up negating our faith. Because it has to be by faith, not by formula. Because God's formula for Larry is different from God's formula for me. 
<laughs> That's why everybody must know the Lord for themselves. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Joshua had to discover the unique way to conquer each of the nations he encountered in Canaan. To get, listen, we have come into the season to, remember I've been teaching Nehemiah 9.25, it's time to possess the land. If it's time to possess the land, by the time to cross the Jordan, the first stronghold and the gateway of the promised land was Jericho. And there's a witch and a priestess named Rahab waiting to deal with you if you don't know how to talk to her. Number two, they had to have, Joshua had to lie on his face, God, to wait for God to circumcise their hearts so that he, he would not do anything in the flesh because he had to wait six days for the, and then in the vision, and he got a revelation, and he saw the captain of the, the, the host of Israel standing in front of him with a sword drawn. And what did the host give him? The rhema. He said, walk around it seven days in this order. The Levites will go first, and then the priests will carry the, the ark, and the singers will go ahead, then the rest of the tribes in their order. If they got the order wrong, nothing was going to happen. Touch your neighbor and say, we need to understand order and be in order. Because only God can only operate through order. He said to the, 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 the disciples, tell the 5,000 to sit in ranks of 50. Order. If we're not ordered... If you're not ordered in your life, ordered in everything you do, ordered in your habits, ordered in your worship, ordered in your time you come to church, ordered in how you behave yourself in church, then you're missing out on God because God cannot move because you've broken his order. Walk around it seven days without making a sound. Then on the seventh day, walk around it seven times. Then when, at, at, when I give the signal, when I give the signal, a priest will blow the trumpet, then you'll all shout. So everything was predicated on when and how. Walk around it. What are we going to do? Take this place, walk around it seven days. Once for seven, every, each day. Seventh day, walk around it, what? Seven times. Not a sound. Everybody in their order. Everybody in their rank. Then when I give the signal... Somebody, Joshua will blow the trumpet. Once the shofar sounds, you'll all shout in one accord. That's, so he's teaching them how and when. The way, the strategy for Jericho was different from the strategy for Ai. Moses, Joshua presumed he could just go and take Ai. And how many people, 300, how many, a few people killed 318 or 16 of them. Because Joshua did not wait on the Lord for the strategy, the revelation of the strategy for Ai. And he did not know that somebody had stolen the tithe in the camp. And the one person that stole the tithe in the camp caused everybody, judgment to come on everybody. So what you don't do or what you do can mess everybody else up. So what did God say? Achan, Achan stole the tithe, Right? What did God say? Israel has sinned. He didn't say Achan has sinned. He said Israel has sinned. So one man's sin was imputed on the whole nation. So touch your neighbor and say, it is my job to, to, to sort you out if you're messing up everybody else. Because your, your carelessness can mess everybody else here up. How did they know it was Achan that stole the tithe? 
because they had to cast lots until the lot fell on Achan. And then who died? Achan and all his family had to die because Jericho was under the ban, which means everything in Jericho as a first fruit was, the, that was the first fruit of the land. Everything in Jericho was what you call under the ban, means it was devoted wholly to God. Nobody could touch anything. That's the principle of first fruit. Ministry must be launched in the, David won every battle differently because he waited for the green light of God's way before venturing into conflict. David knew how to go to God to get instructions from God. And today, do we know how to get instructions from God? We have a problem because we haven't been taught. We haven't been taught how to hear from God. Ministry must be, uh, David, 2 Samuel 5.23, God starts speaking to David. He says, listen, you're going to set an ambushment. So some of the troops will go in front but you and the major rest of the troops will go behind. And then you will wait and hide until you hear the sound of me moving on the trees. And when you hear the leaves shaking in a certain way, and you hear the, 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 the wind whistling, you know it's me moving. And you can see the trees shaking. You launch the attack at that time. Not before, because they'll kill you, because I haven't moved. So we have to learn to move when God moves. And that's how David was successful in warfare. He always knew how to find from the Lord the revelation of the strategy. Then he understood how God wanted to do it and the whens of it all. And that's where we are. Because we've messed up until now. Because we never understood God's ways to perform his will. Ministry must be launched in the fullness of time, otherwise catastrophe can result. It is better to go into ministry late than to go to ministry early. You know why? Because like Moses, when he started his ministry early, he just caused so many problems for everybody else. But when you go late, God can speed things up. The Holy Spirit is a quickening spirit. Are you with me? Our actions must be according to God's often unusual plan. Our actions must be according to what? In sync with God's what? Unusual plan. What, what does that mean? God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So every way God is going to move, he will never be by what your own understanding thinks. Never by what the world thinks. But we have majored in all our Bible schools, in all our cemeteries and everything, teaching all these secular plans. I've asked myself a question. Who's blessing all these people that claim that God blessed them? And some years ago, God told me, it's not me. It's the devil. His way is not practical to human reasoning. And not the way natural man may do it. The biggest challenge we have is submitting our rationale to God's mind. That's why you must know your Bible. Because if you don't know your Bible, you don't know God's mind. God's way is a walk of faith, not formulas and not by sight. We cannot be moved by our circumstances. We cannot be moved by our situations. We cannot be moved because we don't have any money. We need to maintain our faith. What God is increasing in all of us through all our hardships is faith. Yes. 
Faith to believe God. Faith to believe that every day he will send money to eat. Faith to believe that every day he will clothe us. Faith to believe that every day he will somehow pay our bills that are his own bills. Not the ones you generated for yourself that God didn't send you. For that I'm suffering a lot because I end up doing a lot of things that God never sent me. Faith. Is where God is, where God is at now. That's why we've been going through everything we've been going through. To generate faith in us. To believe God that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. We must, and to have faith, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. That's why we need to take hold of the sword of the spirit. Many Christians never achieve great prosperity because they never found out God's way to do it or to achieve that prosperity in spite of all the great prophecies of God said, I'm going to prosper you, I'm going to make you rich. But they always never did it God's way. They ended up doing it their own way. And therefore the promise of the great prosperity never came to pass. Some find out God's way, but after they start gradually, we revert back to their old ways. Losing God's anointing upon his will for their lives. What did I say? Losing God's anointing upon his will. So you know that God's will for you is anointed. And once you follow God's will and the way of his will, then the anointing is on the will for accomplishment because God is watching over his own word to perform it. So you can lose the anointing on his will. In other words, the way he has ordained for you the road, Third Avenue to get to my house, not First Avenue. So if you go Third Avenue, there's an anointing on Third Avenue to push you along the way. But if you go First Avenue, there's no anointing on First Avenue, so you're going to have to struggle by your flesh. Because his will is anointed. <laughs> the will is more anointed than you are anointed. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? His will is what is anointed. More than you are anointed. The anointing is to perform his will. If you're, if you're not in the will, then you're frustrating the grace for which the anointing was given. Once the word was given, approval, and the will has been revealed, then the way must be waited until it is known. Psalm 27, the message Bible says, point me down your highway, God. Direct me along the well-lighted street. Show my enemies whose side you're on. When Israel was going to take the promised land, I skipped that part. But let me bring it in. There was a two-day route and there was an 11-day route. No? No, there was an 11-day route and the three-year route. Do you know what way God told them to take? Which way? The three-year route. Why? No, was it the three-year route or the 40-day route? No, it was a 40-day route. But there was the 11-day route. Do you know why he told them to take the 11-day route? 
Yes. He told them to take the 40-day route, not the 11-day route. What was his explanation to Moses? The Amalekites are waiting for you, and you guys are not battle-trained. They will kill you. So let's put it in the New Testament. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many they are that go that way. But straight and narrow is the road that leads to heaven. Few there are that go that way. I've discovered something in my walk with God all these years. The hard way is normally God's way. The longer way is normally God's way. Because along the way, God wants to put things in order, like he did with Israel. The short way is normally the devil's way. The easy way is normally the devil's way. And in my life, ask my wife, I will always take the hard way. Because it's normally God's way, not the easy way. Science tells us the path of least resistance. God never took them through the path of least resistance. <laughs> Please, if you didn't understand anything I said tonight, understand that part. The hard way is normally God's way. The easy way is normally the devil's way. The short way is normally the devil's way. The longer way is normally the God's way. The longer way, you get taught a lot of things that will help you to stand at your destination. The key to successful Christian endeavor is to find his way to fulfill his will with the authority of his word. With all three traffic lights green, we can now proceed at full speed to obey God. So let's stand to our feet. School me. Show me how you work. School me in your ways. Take me by the hand. Lead me down the path of truth. You are my savior. Lift up your hands and begin to pray. We all have to pray this prayer for ourselves because we've come to that time. Heavenly Father, help us tonight. Show us how you work, O oh God. Show us how you work. Show us, school us, teach us, train us, educate us in your ways. It will take much longer time, but we'll be more fully prepared from those who are not schooled in your ways. So sometimes we see those that are not schooled in your ways overtaking us, and sometimes we fret. But we will not fret because once we are ready and we know your ways, we will not make mistakes on the way and we'll end up overtaking them. So, Father, educate us, teach us, train us in your ways. Take us by the hand, O God. Lead us down the path of truth because you are our Savior. Lead us, open up the ancient highways that you had earmarked and predetermined and foreordained we should walk on. Many of us have missed it because we went down the wrong road. We took the wrong turning. Heavenly Father, we repent and we ask for forgiveness wherever we took the wrong turning. And we ask, Lord, to realign us according to your, the right way, the right path that you had ordained for us. Many of us started. Lord, we started this ministry beautifully in my house in the spirit. 
And when we moved there, we started going, going back gradually, gradually into church. And Lord, that is a mistake that I have made. And I repent on account of that mistake. Asking you for forgiveness. Because you called us to be an ecclesia and not church. And so Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus for the grace the boldness and the courage to make the right decisions, to turn this ship around into what you want it to be and not what our mindsets have brought it because we don't understand. And every day we're arguing about doctrine, whether we agree with this doctrine or we don't agree with this doctrine. Meanwhile, the enemy is slowing us down. So Heavenly Father, I'm not going to stand for it any longer. So I ask for that boldness to take decisive steps to bring everybody and everything under divine order and discipline. In the name of the Lord Jesus, not caring whether I lose members or not. In the name of the Lord Jesus, is it better for us to go into the kingdom with, uh, 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 with one hand than all of us miss out on the kingdom? I'd rather have 12 that will turn the world upside down than have many that will mess everything up. Father, wherever we have resorted to the flesh, wherever we have resorted to carnality, we bring repentance today. And we say we want to get things right. Give us another chance, O oh God. Show us your mercies. Show us your ways, O oh God. Teach us your paths. Guide us in your truth and your faithfulness. Lord God Almighty, teach me. Teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you and you only and all together do I wait expectantly all day. Teach us how to wait upon you. Because it's only by waiting upon you we can get revelation. It's only by waiting upon you that we can get instructions. Help me not to be impatient, oh God. So that by patience, because with patience they possess the promise. Lord, help us because all the promises are fulfilled through faith and patience. Let our faith not fail. Let our patience not cause us to be impatient and frustrate. The grace and frustrate the person, the prophecy you have spoken over our lives. Help us to apprehend these truths, Holy Spirit. As your people go to their homes, reveal it to them. Reveal it to them. Reveal it to them. Just pray in the Spirit. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you have been blessed. For more information and requests for this or other teachings by Apostle Michael at DME at Defarsin, please log on to www.climng.org or send an email to us at kingdomlifeline at ymail.com. You can also call us on plus 234-809-857-2619. Thank you and God bless you.